Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert with my co-host, Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And this one, we preview Texans-Colts and look at a potential Texans playoff matchup or matchups, however it might turn out in case they do win on Saturday night. Sean, we didn't find out about the Texans getting a primetime spot Saturday night until after our Sunday postgame show. So I'm just kind of wondering how you feel about the Texans in prime time and also playing a day earlier with so many Texan stars nursing injuries as well. Who doesn't want to play in prime time, right? Uh, we've been talking about it for four years now. The Texans have been generally gifted one, I think, before this season and usually a Thursday night, I think. But it, it's been a while that you've actually been on the big stage, you know, with the brightest lights and have it mean something. Somebody asked me a question earlier today if, uh, you know, the Texans win on Saturday night, where that would rank in terms of, you know, most important victories in the franchise's history. I mean, I don't know. It's still a regular season game. Anything that they've done that you could say is the biggest win in franchise history probably have to come in the playoffs. And I feel like it was probably that Bills game. A uh, handful of years ago before they got blasted in their ear hole by the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> if the Texans do win on Saturday, you have to put this one right up there. And what better way to do it than on the biggest and brightest stage? You've got Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, national TV, all eyes are on you. You're the only game in town in the entire country at that point in time. And so it's it's pretty awesome. And I'll just say this, look. It makes me feel a certain type of way uh, because I want the very best for the city. I want the very best for my sports teams. I want them to be liked. I want them to be respected. I want to enjoy my my sports in my town. The fact that they're peaking, not peaking, I don't want to say that, but they've arrived early, if you will, this Texans team this year, not knowing what to expect at all. If they get this done on Saturday, man, that's going to be a very special feel. I'm going to be very happy for Houston Texan fans. Even when they don't play in prime time uh, during the playoffs, you feel like the Texans don't get a whole lot of attention. So, of course, I agree with you on all that sort of stuff. But one of the things that scares me is, you know, the Texans in prime time. Start, Sean, rattling off. Start naming the great primetime wins in Texans history. It just like you, it's hard to think of those that the ones where they have won in the playoffs have been in the afternoon typically, because we know the Texans always get that first week afternoon game. It seems like every single time. And really the Cowboys Texans in the first game and the history of the Texans was a big primetime game outside of that. It's like, Geez, what what are the other big wins that they've had in prime time? I'm trying to remember. Like yeah, exciting, fun wins. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's hard, you know. I mean, I don't. None of them stick out to be honest with you. Most fun that I ever personally had at a prime time game uh, was a game that they didn't even win, but it was the most fun that I ever had. It was the loudest I ever heard the stadium. Definitely the second loudest I ever heard the stadium, and that was a Monday nighter or Sunday nighter uh, when the Ravens were in town and it went to overtime. Oh yeah. And uh, you you remember that one. A lot yeah. of people remember that. I mean, it was just, it was a great time in that era of Texans football. You know, they were fun. They were competitive and they were still trying to break through and just kind of get eyeballs on the scene and pay attention to us. You know, we deserve it. 
and they just they never could get over the hump um was it a shop pick six at, at the end of that game was and that- there probably was a pick six in there but i don't know if that's how exactly how they won in overtime that's that's the point I, yeah exactly I, you can't remember the last primetime game that they won but the most important thing you have to understand none of that crap matters it doesn't matter the texans and D'Amico ryan's all season long have reminded you last year doesn't matter i don't want to talk about last year he didn't look at anything from last year if he did it was player specific film on who he was inheriting and who he had to make the decision to want to inherit that's it that's where you leave it they've reminded of this that uh, of, of that uh, all season long and so i'll say this this is a new era of texan it's a new feel it's a new vibe it's a new look and they've earned a new level of respect from their own fans from us because we've seen it how many times do we need to see the product on the field and what they are actively trying to do this is going a little uh, astray from from the main question here but i i do want to make this point in that change is real and nick casario a guy that's had to you know, be the architect of this teardown and rebuild, you know, along with a hell of an engineer in D'Amico Ryans uh, this past year, not even a full year on the job yet, but they've been out, been able to go out and get uh, players to make key impacts. You know, and before this season, before you had DeAndre Houston Carson, uh, Adrian Amos, Kareem Jackson, Khalil Davis, Derek Barnett, I'm probably forgetting a guy or two. The one guy you could point to, where a general manager went out and got a player in the middle of a season that you thought could be a difference maker. His name was Demarius Thomas, and he never fit into the Bill O'Brien offense. I mean, that was probably a lot more Bill O'Brien than it was him. I think we know that at this point in time, RIP Demarius Thomas. But the Texans have made a number of moves, sometimes because their back's been up against the wall. But more times than not, it's been the right move and a necessary one. And I I think you got to give them that in that, What C.J. Stroud said, echoed by D'Amico Ryans a few days ago, the time is now. They've clearly shown that all year long, and that's what I'm most excited about. That's why this is the first opportunity you have in this new Texans era to go get that first primetime win. Yeah, Demarius Thomas, I'll say, he was kind of toast by the time he got to the Texans. He just didn't have the explosion. That's the reason why they were able to get him for a really low price at that time. also, I, before we go on, I just want to remind everybody, quick quick reminder for the show, I talked with Salman Ali yesterday about the burning rockets questions. Tomorrow I've got a Colts insider, and Friday I'm talking with Oilers tight end Mike Barber about the anniversary of the first Love You Blue pep rally, cool. which is this Sunday, one of the most amazing moments in Houston history. It's 45 years this Sunday, so that's going to be fun to talk to him. And make sure you're getting your notifications on YouTube to see our latest shows. But Sean. We praised Will Anderson in our postgame Sunday, but I don't think we realized he had 12 total snaps. In those 12 snaps, let's remind you again, six quarterback pressures, three quarterback hits, and two sacks. Didn't we start seeing that late season surge we've seen from Will Anderson from a guy named J.J. Watt? In his rookie year as well? I ain't gonna lie. I mean, this is probably the third time this season where I've watched Will Anderson play and I thought of J.J. Watt because of the impact that he makes on games. You know, that step on the throat quality 
that JJ had. You see that in Will Anderson. You know, you you have the opportunity to really put a team away and enforce your uh, your will <laughs> uh, on a team. He did that in the second quarter with those back-to-back sacks. I ain't going to lie. I don't care. <laughs> I, I thought of J.J. Watt. Absolutely. They and, threw up those numbers also during the t- television broadcast. I don't know if you saw that, that comparisons to J.J. Watt that were very similar no. to the rookie years. Oh, did they really? No, I didn't yeah. see that. I mean, you know, we have TVs in the press box, but, you know, I'm generally 99% focused on what's on the field, all those little ants crawling around in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, that's cool. I mean, how could you not, I guess, think of that? I mean, I, I feel validated uh, to a large degree now that that's the case. You know, they put it on uh, regional TV. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It makes me feel better. But yeah, hey, look, Will Anderson's got an opportunity, as, you know, did J.J. Watt once upon a time ago, you know, make his impact felt in a very large way in that playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, the pick six, you know, that, that was awesome. Will Anderson, if it's, 19 snaps on Saturday, if it's 25, I don't know. They never, you know, came out and said exactly what his snap count was. I think Bobby Slowick did say earlier today that they didn't have a particular number of plays in mind, but it was kind of a feel thing. There was only in pass rush situations. That's that's what you noticed. I said Bobby Bobby Slowick, by the way. I mean, uh, Matt Matt Burke. Burke. Yeah, yeah. um, There was you know, instances in which they knew they needed and wanted him if he was capable to go and be that impact player. And it was just incredible that 50% of the time, literally on, on Sunday, he was exactly that. Uh, I think he's got an opportunity, man. They're load managing him this week. Again, he was out on the practice field for the second straight day, though a DNP officially, but he's there. He's taking mental reps. And I'll say this, Matt Burke was asked yet another question about Will Anderson's development this season. I thought it was interesting what he'd said on the heels of what D'Amico Ryan's talked about on Sunday after the game. Those two sacks, one in particular play that Will Anderson made, is something that he'd been trying to get Will to see all season long. And it finally just clicked for Will. And I think to some degree, as we've seen it with C.J. Stroud, we'd seen it with Tank Dell, you know, who'd gotten, you know, he was out for a concussion, had a chance to sit back and just watch his team earlier in the year. Not being a part of the games and taking a full week of mental reps, or at least as much as you can when you're dealing and rehabbing from injury, it's extremely invaluable. And I think that probably benefited Will the last couple of weeks, seeing the things that were working, that wasn't working, digging back and looking at some old film and figuring out why maybe he's not able to play as fast. You go back and look, I can't remember what down or even what instance in the game it was, but Will Anderson's lined up on the defense's right side in a wide nine, and he stunts over three gaps and has a clear shot uh, to Ryan Tannehill and gets to him. I can't remember if that was one or his second sack. I think it was the first sack, but that was a freaking awesome play. Just the ability to, and every player understands this, the line of scrimmage moves at the snap of the ball, for him to just play with his eyes up and stay focused on that landmark and get there, get home, that was really impressive to see. This is a playoff game. Last week was a playoff game. These Texans games are playoff games. And it's worth noting, Sean, that if you're going to compare Will Anderson to J.J. Watt, this is a playoff game. This is his 17th game of the season in J.J. Watt's playoff game, 17th game of the season against the Bengals. 
remember, there was only 16 games back then, so this would technically be both Will Anderson's 17th game and the Bengals was J.J. Watt's 17th playoff game. That's when he had the interception for the touchdown. So do you want to call it right now? Is he going to get the J.J. Watt interception for the touchdown this week? I mean, J.J. has been schooling him. They have conversations all the time about this. And you've got to wonder, Will's probably asking, hey, how do you do that? How do you get one of those deals? It's not Will's 17th, is it? Didn't he miss two games? Wouldn't this be his... Uh... Well, be... it's the team 70. Yeah, I guess I stretched it a little bit. Yeah, because okay. he did. He did. He missed a game. That's right. Yeah. So, hey, I, no, I'm not. I'm not going to kill you for that. Uh, stretch it all you want to, man, because there's little compare. There's a reason why I think I'm less than a month into the season. Matt Burke was already fielding questions along with D'Amico Ryans about the similarities between Will Anderson and J.J. Watt. Fair question to both, given that Burke had an opportunity to coach Watt one year in Arizona. And D'Amico obviously saw J.J. <laughs> around the building a little bit as a Houston Texan, at least looking on as afar. He never took his eyes off of this organization, his original. So they drew comparisons in terms of work ethic, in terms of drive, in terms of leadership and ability to uh, get other guys to follow them. It's one thing to be that guy, that type of individual with the personality, the charisma, the persona that just has that aura about them that you want to follow them. You want to listen to them. There's a reason why the dude was captain. It's another thing to back it up with your play. And Will Anderson's absolutely doing that. And everything that we observed from J.J. Watt, you know, here for a better part of a decade was exactly that. He was the entire package. So stretch that all you want to, man. The time is now. Will Anderson's got the athletic ability. He's got the brains. He's got the want to, the drive to do it. And oh, by the way, he's got a guy who he teamed up with before they even played one single solitary game in C.J. Stroud, that he, along with Tank Dell, got together and made a decision in conjunction in an agreement with D'Amico Ryans that they were going to be empowered to lead this very mixed group of young and seasoned and older guys, this locker room, and they all came together. This is probably the closest knit team that I can ever remember covering. And I've, we've covered some good teams. Let's not kid ourselves. We've covered well, some good like teams. It's like a college team because these are guys leading them that were just in college last year yeah. and had that kind of atmosphere, C.J. Stroud. At Ohio State. So spot on, man. Yes. Will Anderson at Alabama. And I, I was just hoping you were going to tell me, I saw Will Anderson out there today with the speed gun, like J.J. used to, you know, taking them left and right, catching the balls left and right with the speed gun and all that sort of stuff. But I guess uh, you didn't catch that. Um, if the Texans uh, win. Oh, you're talking about the jugs machine? Yeah, I'm sorry, the jugs. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm thinking of the baseball. But yeah, the jugs machine. Uh, speed, I, the speed gun, I guess you measure it. But yeah, the jugs machine. You know, if, if the Texans win, who would you rather play, Sean? You got three options here, the Bills in Buffalo, yeah. Chiefs in KC, or the Browns right here in Houston. It's really easy. It's the not-so-complicated playoff scenarios, right? So the Texans can get the fourth seed if they beat the Colts, the Jags lose to the Titans. That's the least likely to happen. The most likely to happen is the Texans get the seventh seed. They'd face the Bills in Buffalo that happens if they beat the Colts, Jags beat the Titans, and the Bills beat the Dolphins. You can get the sixth seed if you're the Texans, where you'd face the Chiefs in Kansas City. Texans beat Colts, Jags beat the Titans, and Dolphins beat the Bills. I think that's a really great game, by the way. I can't wait to watch that one on Sunday. But I've talked about this for a couple of days in a row now with some other people, and there's no way in hell you could ever convince me that it's better to go on the road 
and play a football game in the playoffs, especially when the choices are Buffalo and Kansas City. And here's why. All three of these scenarios, by the way, Browns, Chiefs, or Bills, they all kind of come full circle. Some circles are smaller. Some circles are bigger. (laughs) You know, I don't know if I want any Houston team at this point in time having to travel up to northern New York and take on a Bills team on the 30th anniversary of 35 to 3. I just don't want to do that. I, I I lived it as a kid. I don't need to relive it. I don't want to see highlights of it. I don't want to hear play-by-play guys talk about it. Frank Reich is available because he's not coaching a certain <laughs> uh, football team right now. I say, however, because there always is a, is a flip side. There's three sides to every story, and at least I'll give you the second one here. It would be really cool to go up to Buffalo and give the city of Houston some sense of retribution or vengeance and beat the Bills at their place for just the third time in Texan franchise history and be the first time uh, in about 14 years that you'd beaten the Bills. You don't get an opportunity to play those guys all the time, uh, but that would be really, really cool. And The most likely scenario is them playing either the Bills or the Chiefs because we don't expect Jacksonville to lose this week to – you know, or they're playing a really bad opponent, of course. And, yeah. you know, it would take sort of a miracle for, for them to lose this game. But if I'm choosing between the Chiefs and the Bills, I would much rather play the Bills because the Chiefs defense is pretty good. I, I, I feel like their defense is a little bit better than the than the Bills defense. And, and really, I, I would rather the Texans play the weakest of the three defenses. However, the thing that scares me about going to either one of those two places, of course, is just you're talking about cold weather and a cold field and Presumably, potentially yeah. poor weather and Stroud didn't perform well in poor weather. And you're worried about him hitting the turf, cold turf after that concussion. You know, you talk about the Chiefs. Um, I was talking to Clint Sterner about it yesterday on the show, and he was up and down, just swore that it was the best case scenario to play the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. And I said, you're smoking something man uh, <laughs> you know they're they're up and down they're not playing good football right now Patrick Mahomes is playing the worst football he has in his career blah 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 I don't care it's the Kansas City Chiefs they've got the pedigree they're on their home turf it's playoff time they ain't playing a game to get in they're in it's locked up they know who they are and what they're doing They're hosting a playoff game. I don't want to revisit the scene of a crime from back in 2020. Have to hear about 24 to nothing and the 51 to 31 loss and the 41 unanswered uh, points scored by the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, enough said. Oh, yeah, by the way, in case you didn't know, the Chiefs dominant at home against anybody and everybody they've played. They're nine and two since 2018 at home in playoff games, beating eight. Eight different organizations. Doesn't matter who goes up there, Robert. Now, flip side, be nice to beat the team and, you know, be the team, I'll say, to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs at home in a playoff round in round one for the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era. So that would be cool. But I'm going to tell you this. There's only one right answer here. If you have the opportunity to host a home playoff game, and look, you need to win and you need the Titans to beat the Jags. But if that happens, don't tell me that that's the worst case scenario that you have to face Joe Flacco and the Browns and that defense. Here's the beautiful part about it. You're going to face them for the second time in three weeks. I know you just got your butt beat by them, but it was 36 to 22. 
pretty respectable considering as bad as Case Keenum slash Davis Mills and that idea of a duo combo of quarterback was by Bobby Slowick. The storylines around it, Deshaun Watson, you own their draft pick and it's not going to be good anymore because they're a playoff team. I'll just say this. The scariest part about it is from a historical standpoint, and that's that you're making yourself susceptible to just being the third team since 1969 uh, that would fall to the Browns in a playoff period. (laughs) So that's kind of scary, and you'd be the second team to do it in the last three seasons. I think they beat Pittsburgh back in 2020. But I like the idea of facing a team that you're very familiar with, that you just most recently prepared for, that you're going to have, presumably, because we're talking about something that's two weeks away, maybe the healthiest you'd been in months. If you have Jonathan Grenard back, Will Anderson back, your interior defensive line back, a bolstered secondary with Kareem Jackson having two games under his belt as a 10-year veteran in this league, you've got C.J. Stroud potentially, you know, you've got the run game still going pretty well. I anticipate Devin Singletary and Slowick to be able to dial it up pretty well. well before you before you blow it all out here, Sean, let's just I, I feel like we're gonna jinx him here. If we just go on for like twenty minutes about hey. playing the Browns next week. Let's let's get I'm just telling you, you better. I think that's the best case scenario. You ask me a question. It's the Browns. That's who I'm choosing uh, every day, twice on Sunday. Yeah. I don't need you to go through the matchup. (laughs) We could talk about it next week if it happens, but uh, definitely. uh, Yeah. I I think the Browns are, that's the best choice, but I I just, I put the bills number two for me anyway. Um, Laramie Tunsil named to his fourth pro bowl today. uh, As we speak, CJ Stroud, six in pro bowl fan voting, but, he was named an alternate along with Will Anderson, Nico, Grenard, and the surprising Andrew Beck, or at least Beck was surprising to me, Sean. I just didn't expect him to be an alternate Pro Bowl guy. See, I mean, I don't know. How many fullbacks, like fullbacks, are there in the entire league? Maybe state? that's it. Maybe that's it. That, that, But I really don't know the answer to that question. And so I would presume that – you know, like you're going to take a long snapper who's been better than John Weeks. You know, how come he wasn't named? Maybe he ends up making it or something. But you know what I'm saying? It's like if you're going to take somebody from every literal position, the fact that there probably are so few fullbacks remaining in the NFL these days, Andrew Beck, that 98-yard kick return for a touchdown earlier this season, I think that's what it was, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, there's that. He's left a lot on the table, man. You know, it hadn't made plays that I think he probably should have made in the past game. But I do think as a blocker, uh, I think he's done a really good job. He's obviously been banged up more here recently in the last month or two. Um, is he going to play on sa- this this Saturday? Is what's hey, Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, he was on a football field today for the second straight day, but he was not participating. He was in flats, didn't have a helmet, was in a hoodie. What 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 about Tunsil? He didn't he did he practice today? Yeah, he was limited. He was the only one of the guys on the injury report that actually uh, took part in the practice in a limited capacity today. But everybody was there taking mental reps that I saw, with exception to Noah Brown. I've not seen Noah Brown uh, in two days. Granted, yeah. I was not there yesterday, but all the reports and people that I talked to said they didn't see Noah either. Yeah, Aaron Wilson saying that he's not. He's not going to play. So, you know, Grenard is probably 
one of your bigger question marks, I guess, going into this one? Is that the, probably the biggest, uh, biggest one? Yeah, it's definitely the biggest one. I mean, the idea of being able to have Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, you know, bookend ends. You've had it all season. It's helped Jonathan Grenard, you know, have a career year. He's been one of the best pass rushers in the entire league this season. And it's in large part because he's been able to do it with a pretty dang full arsenal. Early in the year, you know, when you're having to kind of rely a little bit more on guys like Kurt Heinisch, who played and played well this past weekend you didn't need him really I mean when Khalil Davis walked through the door and then in recent weeks you go out and you get Tier Tart when you get that big you know fat stack body in there that you could put in the middle with a guy like uh, Malik Collins you know banged up put those guys next to Sheldon Rankins I mean it's a dang good D line a lot of teams in the NFL would like to have them so if you can be as close to a full arsenal this weekend yeah I mean Jonathan Grenard he needs to be out there I think the fact that he was just seen jogging around a little bit, you know, kind of getting down to some music at practice today, it was uh, encouraging, you know, about as good of a sign as you could possibly hope for, I think, considering, you know, the injury that I, I don't know how severe you actually thought it was going to be when you saw it happen a couple of weeks ago. But I fully expected to see him on a practice field last week. Didn't see him one iota, obviously didn't play. In fact, he's on a football field this week is good news. All right, let's get to the nuts and bolts of the game a little bit. The Texans, the fourth best run defense in the NFL, which is unbelievable after we watch the last two years. And the Colts are the sixth worst run defense. Why am I bringing it up? Well, in 192 carries, I looked it up. Devin Singletary averaging 4.3 yards, number nine in the NFL of all running backs with at least 190 carries, number nine. Devin Singletary in yards per carry. On the other end, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor's last five starts for the Texans. He's 5-0 and against the Texans, averaging 124.4 yards. Didn't play the last one. Remember, he wasn't playing early in the season. But, Sean, I just don't think Taylor's beaten the Texans this time. Not the way this run defense has taken some of these other teams apart recently. Yeah, I mean, 5-0, and oh, I don't care. John McClain asked Matt Burke about that earlier today. It's like, so what? Was D'Amico Ryan's coach, you know, was uh, he leading the defense? Did you have this D-line? I, I don't care. Like, historical records I in football, but especially, I don't care about them. They mean nothing. Unless for some, you know, weird reason you're trying to invoke that Jonathan Taylor is now going to be the thorn in the Texans' side as T.Y. Hilton was for so many years. Like, regardless of what... <laughs> <laughs> of what they had on their defense or who was coordinating it. It just didn't seem to matter. T.Y. Hilton was going to kick your butt. Hey, look, yeah, the Texans run defense. It just seems to kind of be getting better. And it means everything that you've got Blake Cashman back in the middle. We talked about the D-line, the importance what they do in the pass rush. I mean, it's stop the run first. Will Anderson, you look at his numbers and advanced statistics, he's better against the run than he's been at being a, a pass rusher. He's been a pretty dang good pass rusher, you know, in his rookie season. So that's a key emphasis has been from day one with D'Amico Ryans. I fully expect it to continue on Saturday. What you can't do is give up those chunk plays in the run game because I could I could live with, and the Texans have been able to live with and survive games in which teams run the ball conservatively well, 3.5, 3.7 yards per carry. But what they haven't done, it's, it's been key for them, as many chunk plays as they've given up through the air, and I think it's amongst the very top in the NFL, they hadn't given that up in the run game. That's huge. You mentioned Will Anderson. 
Is he going to play running? We just talked. He only played 12 last week. Is he going to play rundowns? Because they were just playing him pass downs. I mean, is he going to get more time this week? Any any guesses on that? Uh, I mean, if I was to guess, I would say he's not going to be full speed. But the Texans ideally like to rotate their defensive line. You like what Derek Barnett has given you. You like what Jerry Hughes has given you. You know, they even used uh, Magi Sanders a couple of weeks ago. It's a very similar body build to Will Anderson. Maybe they work him in a little bit more. They obviously have not shied away from using literally everybody at their disposal. So I would anticipate an uptick in snaps. You know, you're going to go from 12 snaps Could you possibly double that? I think that's probably pretty easy to do, just given the little that you really needed Will Anderson this past weekend against the Titans. Theoretically, bigger game on the road, different quarterback, more proven guy this season than Ryan Tannehill. You know, as a backup for the Titans was last weekend, you're probably going to need and hope to get 25 to 30 snaps, maybe, unless, maybe 35 out of Will Anderson. Unless she's going to do more damage to the ankle, you you can't think of like next week because there's there, there there couldn't be a next week if they don't win the game. So that's I mean that's no, but you know what? I just I don't think that they subscribe to leaving anything in the tank. If they're going to allow. Will Anderson to go out there for 12 snaps and play through pain and discomfort, then my guess is that, you know what? If you're a third of the tank full on Saturday and we need that third of a tank, then, you know, so be it. That's why we've got Derek Barnett. That's why we kept Jerry Hughes. That's why we, you know, went out and got Magi Sanders. And there's probably another end I'm forgetting that is at their disposal. But they've they've got dudes, and I got to be honest with you, if I could say this with a straight face and really mean it about anything and anybody, in D'Amico, I trust. All right, let's uh, look at this number because I just thought this was pretty impressive from C.J. Stroud. Since week three, the Texans have outscored their opponents with Stroud at quarterback by 58 points, 8-4 to four, the record. So an 8-4 record, 58 points. It gets lost in the shuffle because he was out for a couple of weeks. They were 1-1. One and one. You know, they were 0-2 to start the season. 8-4, and though. Pretty impressive from Stroud since uh, week three. And the crazy part, Sean, is the four losses were against Bryce Young, Desmond Ritter, Joe Flacco, and Zach Wilson. He's beaten Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, and Joe Burrow. But, I mean, it's just bizarre. It's bizarre. The Texans struggle against... It wasn't Joe Flacco. C.J. Stroud was. I'm sorry. That yeah, you're right. It wasn't even Joe. Yeah, forget Joe Flacco. So, so the four losses were. Um, it was Young, Ritter, Zach Wilson. But he's lost to some 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 poor quarterbacks. And well, I, you know, it's it's just I, it's worth mentioning just because it's it's odd. It's odd that oh yeah, he's beat Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, but he hadn't beat these other guys. So. Yeah, let's know. see. Uh, the other loss that would have been to the Jaguars. And that was by three points with CJ Stroud back yeah, in late November. So Lawrence, yeah. But but all of those all of those losses, right? You go back to the Falcons, you lost by two. What was the other game that you mentioned? Falcons, you lost by two. I think Bright the Bryce Young, uh, wasn't that a field goal? Bryce Young, fifteen to thirteen. You yeah, lost two. by two. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you lost by three. And then the Zach uh, Wilson game, they got stomped. stomped yeah, on. I mean, CJ, everybody stunk that game from the game plan to Stroud to you name it. 
They stunk. There wasn't one single solitary bright spot that you could take from that game. Uh, outside of maybe what the Texans' defense did collectively, for the most part in the second half, you know, they kind of slammed on the brakes, figured Wilson out in that offense enough to, you know, make them look like you thought they should look. But unfortunately, Stroud bounced out, you know, got hurt, and offense stunk it up anyway. And you were shorthanded. But that's amazing. I mean, you talk about an eight and four record. That's an average of four and a half points deciding those 12 ball games. And you won eight of them. I mean, we've been talking about it all season long. If you take away the three years that were absolute hot garbage here in Houston for football, you go back to 2019, 18 and 17. My God, like the amount of close games the Texans have just been involved in. I feel like we're talking about this every year that is a normal and year worthy of discussion. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty remarkable. And C.J. Stroud is the difference maker this year. I've, I've said it since early on, oh, right after that Buccaneers-Bengals back-to-back, you know, <laughs> fantastic games where C.J. Stroud really solidified himself as a dude to be reckoned with in the NFL this season. I've been all in, said that guy's a difference maker. So you have him. If you got to go out and win a close game, you need him to come back and, uh, you know, lead you in a two-minute drive to end a ball game. Or if you need him to help you step on the throat and you're going to win comfortably, he can do that. So you're not drafting Penix late first round this year? You don't Man, want to draft the quarterback? Whoever, <laughs> whoever's going to have, you know, one of them top three picks and, you know, draft capital, capital that can maybe uh, they can find a way to maneuver themselves. I guess Carolina's Carolina. Well, Carolina, no. no Bears, they, they, Bears, Bears got pick. that pick. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I guarantee you Michael Penix Jr., probably be the first quarterback taken off the board not Caleb Williams and if he's not I presume Caleb Williams go right to mom and cry uh but that's first and foremost why I'm going Michael Penix Jr. Yeah Drake May's number two on everybody's board and a lot of the boards I've seen you know the kid out of um the kid out of LSU the Heisman Trophy winner I'm blanking on Jaden Daniels Jaden Daniels yeah yeah um yeah those 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 are the top three right now and maybe it changes you know, after what we saw with Penix. And it, it, remi- it reminded me, I don't know if you did you, it reminded me a little bit of what T.J. Stroud did last year, late in the season, kind of opening everybody's yeah. eyes. This week is like the one-year anniversary of that Georgia game, is it not? Where he really made a lot of people want to throw out what they thought they knew about the guy. And then, you know, fortunately for the Texans and how everything worked out, that didn't happen. And the Texans, you know, made the right decision. <laughs> and they went out and got that guy. From a football sense, it's like it's one thing. It's cool. I'll tell you this, man. It's uh, it's very psychological. It might be simplistic even still on a human level to some degree. But just listening to Bobby Sloat talk about C.J. Stroud today, he said something really simple that stood out to me that I was like, man, you know, these guys, you got to know what you're looking for to get what you need and to get what you want, right? That's simple enough. And Bobby Slowick said, when asked about why C.J. Stroud's been able to kind of progress as much as he has, play as well as he has, and not feel like the weight of the world is on his shoulders, Slowick simply said, it's because of the way that he prepares that allows us to cover more ground more quickly and finish conversations and move on. And That's so simple, but when you're not constantly having to stop, reteach, stop, 
find out why a guy's not understanding what you're conveying to them or why you're not understanding what they're trying to convey to you, which something else Bobby Slowick said when asked about uh, today, hey, how have you progressed as a play caller? He left it all out. I mean, like, hey, it's less about like X's and O's and, and that stuff. At this point in time, it's more about me being better at understanding our team and our team understanding me. And so they're on a much deeper level. And I think when you look at these quarterbacks, whoever, you know, fate is for Michael Penix Jr. on Monday night at NRG Stadium against Michigan, you know, so be it. But that dude's got a heck of a story, man. He's going to make a franchise really, really happy. And I I think he's going to be a good quarterback at the next level. We're going to go right after the game on Saturday night, you and I, the live post game show. Yeah, it's gonna be late as hell. I'll be I'll be here for it for sure. I ain't got a okay. deadline <laughs> to write, so I just I get to talk about it, and I'll be writing until about two, three, four o'clock in the morning. I'm sure. So no delays because usually you're out at NRG, so we got to wait for you to 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 do all that sort of stuff. You think it's gonna be right after the game's over with? Yeah, if there's any delay, it's either because I'm uh, popping the top and having a celebratory beer. Because I'm peeling myself up off the floor after banging my head against it repeatedly, and they lose. So you know we'll see. But uh, well, you might as well pop the top on this show. You might as well have a drink while we're on. I mean, we might as well might be on two or three by then, bro. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll see you on Saturday, man. All right. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Touchdown!